My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm seated on a cliff above the Dead Sea, and that is where the judgment took place of Sodom and Gomorrah, which we read about in Genesis chapter 19. God sent an inspection team of two angels to Sodom to find out how bad really was the sin. And Genesis 19 verse 1 says, And there came two angels to Sodom at evening. That timing was important. They didn't come in the day. They came at night when they knew potentially they would see a lot of sinful activities. And they found Lot sitting in the gate of Sodom, which means Lot was not just a resident. He was a public official. And when Lot saw these angels, he was concerned because he knew they were going to see a lot of unholy things. So he begged them, please come into my house. And in verse 2, the angels answered and said, no, we're going to stay in the street all night. We didn't come here for fellowship. We came here to make an inspection. But finally, after begging and begging, the angels came into Lot's house. And listen to what verse 4 says. Before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, can pass the house round, both old and young, and all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, where are the men which came to you this night? Bring, this, bring them out unto us that we may know them. Oh, now listen to this. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said to the men of Sodom, I pray you, brethren, don't do this. First of all, the men of Sodom wanted to rape the angels. But when Lot began to speak to the men of Sodom, he called them brethren. That's how far Lot had backslid. He saw himself as one of the men of Sodom and even called these unholy men his brethren. Wow, he had really sunk to a very low level. But he was not destroyed with Sodom because his uncle Abraham had prayed for him. God remembered Abraham's prayers and even though Lot actually didn't want to leave Sodom, the angels dragged him out of the city against his will because his uncle had prayed for him. That's the power of praying. You can pray for the people you know that are saved, but they're not living right. You can have influence that will bring deliverance into their lives, just like Abraham prayed for Lot. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Thank you for joining me. This is Rick Renner. And as I told you in the introduction to today's program today, we're going to continue talking about God's judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah and God saving Lot out of the midst of that destruction. Lot is such an amazing story. A man who started out right and ended wrong. He was a believer. He had a walk of faith. He walked in faith with Uncle Abraham. Maybe you have a child or a relative. Maybe you have a spouse or a Christian friend who has really erred from the faith. They've strayed from the walk they used to walk on. They walked with God. They prayed in the Spirit, they went to church, they raised their hands, they worshiped God, and now they're into nonsense, and they're making all kinds of moral decisions that you know are going to be catastrophic in their life. They're going to reap the consequences of what they're doing, and you're concerned about them. Well, that's good. 
It's good that you're concerned, but just being concerned won't change anything. There's something you can do to see them delivered. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today and in tomorrow's program. And if you need somebody to stand with you as you pray for that person, call us. We'll stand with you. We believe in prayer, all of us who pray. We've all seen people delivered through our prayers. And we'll stand with you and believe for God's delivering power to go to work for those people you're concerned about. But you can call us about anything that's on your heart because we would love to pray with you. And I want to remind you that I'm offering you my series right now, which is called How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble. We all know someone who's in trouble. We need to know how to intercede for them. This comes with a wonderful study guide. And by the way, it comes in multiple formats. And I want to tell you about our study guides. Our study guides are just loaded. I brought one sample to show you today. This is the study guide called Resisting Evil. Now, if you go to our website, you're going to find that there's a category called study guides. We have all kinds of study guides. And these study guides are just loaded. I just wanted to show you page 22 as an example. I'm telling you, I'm amazed by these study guides. I love them. I'm so glad when people get them because you can use them personally. You can use them in a group. You can use them if you're discipling someone. Look at this. It is just amazing. This is called Resisting Evil Attacks. This is lesson number five in this particular study guide. It comes with the scriptures, all the Greek words. I mean, it is amazing what is in this study guide. And not just the Greek words, but all the points, all the principles, everything is here. It's just really a treasure. But the series, How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble, comes with a study guide like this. We're also right now suggesting that you get my wonderful wife's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. And just before this program, I read it. It's very short. That's why I could read it just before the program. Every page of this book is loaded. It's about the forgiveness that you need. It's about the gift of forgiveness that you need to offer someone else. Maybe there's someone you've had a resentment toward. You need to offer them the gift of forgiveness. This book will set you free and it will release you from those bad attitudes, grudges, unforgiveness that have held you captive. This is really a great book. But let's jump right into our scripture. I have my Bible. I hope that you have yours. Open your Bible today to 2 Peter. That's where we're going to begin today. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 where Peter writes about Lot's deliverance from destruction. Listen to what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. That's a verse where Peter is talking about Lot being delivered from destruction. And Peter says, based on what happened with Lot, the Lord knows how to deliver any believer that is in the midst of a bad situation. So if you know someone who's in a bad situation, the Lord knows how to deliver the righteous out of temptation. That person is righteous. They may not be living very righteously, but the fact is at some earlier point, they called Jesus Lord and they walked with God they may not be living righteously right now, but they belong to the Lord. And if they are the Lord's, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. That word deliver is the Greek word ruomai. The word ruomai means a last ditch effort to save someone who is on the brink of destruction. A last ditch effort to save someone who is on the brink of destruction, or it means to snatch. So you could translate that the Lord knows how to snatch the godly 
out of temptation. The word temptation is the Greek word pirasmos, which describes the temptation, adversity, or any kind of trouble. Anyone in trouble, the Lord knows how to snatch them out of it, even if it's just in the brink of time. But now, let's go back to Genesis chapter 19 and verse 1 and very quickly review what we covered yesterday and see how this story of Lot concludes. Acts chapter 19 and verse 1 says, And there came two angels to Sodom at evening. Now remember, when they were dispatched, they were called men. These were angels that had been visiting with Abraham. The Lord came along with these two angels. The Lord stayed with Abraham, and the two angels were dispatched down the hill into the valley toward the plain where there were multiple cities. Actually, there were about 13 cities, five major cities, and the leading city was Sodom, and Sodom was a very wicked place. The Bible says they were sinners and they were exceedingly wicked before the Lord. That's a terrible thing, but that's what the Bible says. So verse 19, chapter 19, verse 1, and there came two angels to Sodom at evening and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. It's very important for you to understand that in the Oriental world, those who sat in the gate of the city were the leaders of the city. These were city fathers. These were businessmen who were conducting business and all kinds of transactions. And here we find Lot, a righteous man, who once walked with Abraham, the walk of faith, who built altars of sacrifice with Abraham. He knew what it was to live under the protection of God, the blessing of God, to walk in faith. And now we find that Lot is not only living in Sodom, but Lot, this righteous man, has so sunk that he's blended into the fabric of the city and he's even sitting in the city gates conducting business, transactions. He's one of the city fathers. He has become a sodomite. Now, I'm not saying he was participating in sexual sin, but because he was living in Sodom, he was a sodomite. He was a part of the fabric of the city. That is just amazing. And the Bible says, Lot seen then, he saw the angels. He rose up to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Verse two, again, we're reviewing what we covered yesterday. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet and rise up early and go on your way. The truth is, Lot did not want these angels in the streets during the night. Sodom came alive at night. Isn't it amazing that even today, sin really comes alive at night? And Sodom swarmed with sin during the night. Early, early records written by church fathers and by Jewish commentaries tell us that the streets of Sodom were filled with sin. All kinds of depravity, all kinds of sexual perversion were taking place in the streets of Sodom at night. That's what the angels came to see. They came to make an investigation. They didn't come to have a meal. They didn't come for fellowship. They were sent with a purpose. Their purpose was to inspect and to investigate because the cry of Sodom had reached the ears of heaven. Sin, when sin really reaches a maximum, is so loud, God can hear the cry of sin. So now God has dispatched the angels to investigate. Is the sin really as bad as it sounds to our ears in heaven? Now they've come into the city and Lot doesn't want the angels to stay in the streets because Lot knows what the angels will see. So he begs them, please come into my house. He wants to keep them out of the streets. And the angels answer and say, nay, but we will abide in the streets all night. 
He was the equivalent of saying, hey, we came here to do a job, we're here to make an inspection, and we're going to stay in the streets to see what is really taking place. But Lot doesn't want that. He wants to protect the angels, and he wants to protect Sodom, that he loves, from being destroyed. So, in verse 3, he pressed upon them greatly, or he pleaded with them, he implored them, he begged them. And they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he made a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Then listen to verse 4. Verse 4 is just remarkable to me. Before the men lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, can pass the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. These were Sodomites. Of course, sodomy comes from the word Sodom. Sodomites committed sodomite. These people were known for all kinds of sexual perversion, including homosexuality, and this was condemned by the Old Testament. It's condemned by the New Testament. This is a lifestyle that God does not approve of, and Sodom was filled with it. It was filled with it, and not just Sodom. Many of the cities and many of the pagan tribes who lived in the land of Israel committed acts of sodomy, but Sodom, it seems, was the worst of all. It seems it had reached a peak in the city of Sodom. And in fact, the city of Sodom had become so defiled sexually, the Bible says all the men, everyone in the city, that's what the Bible says, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, come past the house. Now, isn't it interesting that all the men of Sodom knew where Lot lived? You see, Lot was a notable character in the city. He was a public official. He was a leader. He was a church father. He was sitting in the gate of the city. Everyone in Sodom knew where Lot lived. He was one of them. And the Bible says they come past Lot's house. And the Bible says all the people from every quarter. Every quarter means they came from every nook and cranny of the city. And the Bible says young and old, which means sexual perversion, was not just affecting older people, but even younger boys. That is amazing. The entire city had become twisted in a sexual sense. The entire city was defiled from the oldest to the youngest. Every quarter of the city, they were all involved in sexual sin. Now they've come past Lot's house, and the Bible tells us in verse 5, And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. They saw these angels, and apparently the angels were good-looking men. They were disguised as men. Well, of course, angels would be good-looking. Angels are the best. And when they saw these men, everyone in Sodom, all the men, began talking. There's two new men in town that no one has known. Wow, we need them. We want them. So they have come past Lot's house, and they began yelling out from the street, Where are the two men that came into you this night? Bring them out that we may know them. That we may know them means to know them sexually. Or here, as disgusting as this is, they were saying they wanted to rape these men. They did not understand those men were angels. Is that just remarkable? And the Bible tells us in verse 6, Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. Verse 7, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. I pointed out yesterday, I want to say again today, Lot called the men of Sodom brethren. Let's put it in today's language. I pray you, brothers, don't do this wicked thing. 
Lot so identified with the men of Sodom that he called them brothers. Now, we don't know to which degree Lot had sunk in sin, but Lot had really veered from the faith. He's on a divergent path. He's not living the life that he knows. In fact, he is so blended into Sodom, he calls the Sodomites brothers. And he says, don't do this wicked thing. That is, don't rape these men. These are angels. Then he offers them a solution in the following verse, verse 8. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. This shows how twisted Lot's mind had become. He was reprobate. Now, we often use the word reprobate. You could say, well, that's just a reprobate individual. Well, that's reprobate thinking. What does the word reprobate mean? The word reprobate in Greek is the word adikimos. It means one that is unapproved or something that is broken. It describes a mind that has become demented, a mind that has become so tainted that it can no longer think right. It can't discern what is right and what is wrong. And it's interesting that even believers can become reprobate. Jesus lives in their heart, but because they've defiled their soul, their mind, over and over and over, they can callous their mind until they no longer think right, they no longer see right, they lose their ability to discern what is right, what is wrong, they become affected. That's really what the word reprobate means. Even though the mind is created as a gift from God, a marvelous creation, by subjecting the mind to wrong things, hearing wrong things, seeing wrong things over and over and over and over, you can negatively affect the mind and become reprobate. And that's what happened to Lot. We see that. Lot said it's wrong to rape these angels, but he thought it was okay for them to rape his daughters. There's nothing right about this at all. All of this was wicked. All of it was wicked. Lot was a man very affected by an environment of sin. And in verse 9, they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow, speaking of Lot, came into sojourn. He came in as a newcomer. And now he will be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the door, even upon Lot, and came near to break it. Or they say, who are you to be a judge? If anyone doesn't have a right to be a judge, it's you. Do you think you have a pulpit with a life that you lead and now you are going to tell us what is right and wrong? What did they know about Lot? We don't know. But apparently they knew enough about him to know he did not have a voice of morality. He did not have the right to speak to them about what was right and what was wrong. Verse 11. And the angels smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness. This word blindness refers to temporary blindness. With blindness, both small and great, or everyone, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. Even though they were stricken with blindness, they were so driven by lust that was consuming them. Imagine blind, they're still struggling to find the handle of the door, trying to get into the house. They can't see, they're blind, but yet their lust is driving them because they want these two new men. And the Bible says in verse 12, and the angel said unto Lot. Now the Bible says the men, but it's angels. The angel said unto Lot, hast thou any here besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters? So he had sons-in-laws, he had sons, he had daughters. There were about 10 of them. And whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. 
Verse 13, for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord and the Lord has sent us here to destroy it. Verse 14, and Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters and said, get you up out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. Then listen to this last statement. The Bible says, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. His sons-in-laws had never seen him behave as a spiritual leader. And now when he says God, they're shocked. He's talking about God. Furthermore, he says God's going to destroy this place because of its wickedness. They thought he was teasing. They did not take him serious. What are you, a preacher? When did you become a preacher? We've never seen you like this before. They thought it was a joke. They thought he was jesting. They had never seen Lot ever behave in a spiritual way. And now he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. Verse 15, when the morning arose, then the angels hasted Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Well, according to verse 15, the angels had to hasten him, which means Lot did not want to leave. They literally said, get up, get moving. Destruction is about to come. And they had to hasten him. And in fact, verse 16 says, while he lingered, he did not want to leave Sodom. Sodom was in his heart. This was a man that had sunk to a very low level, even though he was a righteous man. He was lingering. He did not want to leave the environment of sin. It was a place where he had made money. He had lived his life. He had his reputation there. And he lingered. He did not want to leave. And when he lingered, the Bible says the men, that is the angels, laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him and brought him forth and set him without the city. Or according to verse 16, the angels dragged Lot and his family out of Sodom against their will. They were kicking and screaming, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, as the angels took them by the hand and said, you're leaving whether you like it or not, you're leaving the city. They took them by the hand and literally dragged them out of Sodom and set them without the perimeters of Sodom. Why? Because Abraham had prayed for them. And Abraham had sealed their safety when he interceded before the Lord. And that's what you can do for someone else. Even if someone else that you're concerned about doesn't seem to want to change, your prayers can result in deliverance in their lives. Never underestimate the power that you have when you stand before the Lord and cry out for those people you know that are in trouble. This is powerful. Now, when we come back tomorrow, we're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 2 and see what else we can find about how the Lord delivers those that are in trouble. I'll be back in just a moment. Do you know someone who is making wrong choices? Are there people in your life who have walked away from God? What do you do to help someone find their way back to Jesus? In Rick Renner's series, How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble, you'll learn what to do when someone you love needs Jesus. Everyone makes mistakes, but what do you do when someone you know or love continues down a path toward destruction? The Bible tells what to do. Pray. 
In this powerful series, Rick uncovers the principles Abraham followed to pray for his nephew Lot that saved his life and led him out of sin. Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $10, you'll discover how your prayers can shake heaven and be effective for those you love. When you call or go online today, you can also get the companion book, The Gift of Forgiveness. Life's too short to harbor bitterness. That's why forgiveness is a gift you give not only to others, but also to yourself. Forgiveness frees you and others to move on without being encumbered by unfinished business. Available for just $7, the gift of forgiveness will help you step into freedom and move forward with God's plan for your life. Don't miss this special offer, How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble, and or the companion book, The Gift of Forgiveness. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Get these two powerful resources today. Call or go online now. Friends, this is Rick Renner. Now, right now, I'm in the interior of the Moscow Good News Church. It is quite an amazing place. When you walk through this building, it's so beautiful and it testifies to the grace of God and the provision of God and the giving of our church and of our partners. We built this facility debt-free and because of that, the Moscow Church has never had the burden of monthly payments. All of our funds have been released to do the work of the gospel. And now we need to do that in Tulsa and I call this phase three. And I'm asking you today to pray about joining us as part of the giving team for phase three, which is paying off the Tulsa facility. And the reason we want to pay it off is because then it will release funds for us to take the teaching of the Bible to the ends of the earth. And dear friend, right now, the Bible is so needed. And I know that that's my heart and that is your heart. And together, we can take the Bible to the ends of the earth. So please pray about joining us for phase three to finish paying off the Tulsa building. And I want to say thank you in advance. Today we're seeing that the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. That is exactly a quote from 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. That word temptation means adversity, a trial, any kind of trouble. If you know a godly person that's in trouble, a godly person that has strayed off the beaten path of righteousness and now they're into things they should not be into. And you know, if they don't change, they're going to reap some really bad results in their life. God can use you to bring about their deliverance just like God used Abraham. Abraham drew near to the Lord and interceded for a lot in his family. And God heard Abraham's prayers and they were delivered because of Abraham. If you will stand in faith for the people that you are concerned about, God will deliver them for your sake. I'm going to show you this so clearly tomorrow when we come back. It's going to be good. But I want to remind you that I'm offering you my series called How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble. We all know someone who's in trouble. We need to know how to intercede for them. I'm also offering you Denise's book, which is called The Gift of Forgiveness. This is a marvelous book, and I believe it will be a treasure to you or to someone else who needs a gift of forgiveness. But Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that we do not just have to wring our hands and worry about people that are in trouble, that we can stand before you, intercede on their behalf, you hear us, and you will deliver them for our sake, 
even if they don't want to be delivered and they don't want to change, you will move in their life because we asked. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been great to be with you. Excited to come back to the next program. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4. It says, where the word of a king is, there's power. Let God's word release its power in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity. 